0: What's up, Batty bees? I'm Brianna, mom, wife, serial entrepreneur, and host of the Badass Basic Bitch Podcast. Each week, I sit down with a seemingly ordinary woman who's doing extraordinary things, and I get to share her story with you. So let's go. Buckle up as we're going to get real and dive into the shit nobody talks about. Welcome to the Batty Bee
1: Club. I pushed myself to be independent when my family would try to help me I'd be like, no, let me try. And I try and I fail, and I try and I failed. And I tried and I failed. But after a while, I learned so many different ways every single day to do something differently and make it easier on myself. And that's what they started seeing. They're like, holy crap, like we, you know, we would try to teach you this way or help you this way, but you found a way to do it yourself and make it easier for you. So it definitely put a perspective of now I live every single day as if it's like my last.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Badass Basic Bitch. Today, I have Anya Janizek from Ohio, and she is a spinal cord injury survivor. Today, she's going to take us through her story about what happened back in 2017. And our main focus today is all about perspective, perspective on life and the situations that it throws at us. So welcome, Anya. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Okay, so I am 28. I just turned 28. My birthday is in in November. Time is flying by. Every day I'm like, oh, I'm so much closer to 30, but I feel like the 30s are the new 20s. They're the best. So it's a whole new adventure for sure. I was born in South Africa. I was raised in Europe, Poland, and then I came to the States when I was nine and a half, ten 10 years old about. English is my second language. Polish obviously is my first language. i um, fluent in both. I went back and forth between Europe for a couple of years up until 2015. And then I kind of stayed in the States since. And um, I did go to multiple different schools because my parents moved a lot growing up. I have a twin sister she is local to me and I have a brother. He's also local and then another brother. He's in Florida. I moved back in with my parents in 2017, obviously, after my accident. So my parents got a handful of all of us staying close, um, which is nice because the rest of the family is in Europe. So we all kind of, you know, try to stick together um, here in the States.
0: So I need to know your your birthday's in November. What's the day? 12th. Okay, my my daughters are born in November. I have a November fifteenth and November twenty eighth. So I was just curious. Ooh, Ooh. How old are they? <laughs> Four and six. Oh, so little itty bitties. But I love their November personalities. So yeah,
1: Scorpios. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I don't. I'm really bad with that. One's a Scorpio, and then one's a Sagittarius. Maybe. Oh yeah, I'm bad with that too. I think. I don't know. I probably quoted that wrong and someone's going to come get me after that. But um, okay. Well, so what your life growing up, it sounds like it was probably pretty hectic considering that you guys were moving around so much. I I didn't know that you had a twin sister.
1: Yeah. Not a lot of people do because she's not very... I'm all about social media because obviously that's what I do for work now. And she's very... Uh, reserved and very like, she posts on social media. She's all about Instagram mainly, but other than that, like the only photos we really take are family photos. Um, when we all hang out, we don't really, me and her don't just go, Oh, let's take a selfie and then post it. We just kind of like take family photos and, you know, talk and hang out every other weekend and whatever it may be, but. She's pretty much reserved. So when I tell people I have a twin sister, they're like, what? Yeah. I, so I, I before never my, that. my injury, it was, it was hard because whenever I would go out, people would come up to me and they would call me my sister or they'd come up to her and call her me. And we'd be like, how do people even like mistake that? <laughs> because not a lot of people know that, you know, um, we, you know, we are twins And uh, after my injury, now it's a lot easier for people to obviously not mistake us because I'm rolling around on wheels now and she's still walking, you know, so So it it made it easier. Yeah. So take us back
0: to 2017. I obviously know the story about your accident and what happened, but why don't you uh, tell the listeners like what exactly happened?
1: Okay. So in 2017, I was living on my own. I had a full time job. I was working a lot, trying to go back to college, you know, trying to be an adult. So I moved out at a pretty young age and I stay moved out and I moved into an apartment complex and it was on the third story. And I had two big dogs and I was living with my boyfriend at the time as well. And I had went to a pool party, which was at my pool that was you know, on the, I guess you could say like site or whatever. Like it was the apartment complexes pool party. It closed at about 8 p.m. So I went home. My dog just had nine puppies. So it was a full house. Oh my gosh. So I had 11 dogs. So I went home to be mama. And, um, at about I had, so my, my back balcony, it had the neighbor below me had like these lights that would shine on all the trees in the wooded area. So at like, between like 11pm and like 3am, I would wake up if um, I was, you know, sleeping, and I would just go out and hang out on my balcony or whatever. So I went home, hung out. And then I went out again with a couple of my friends. Um, One of my guy friends that was my neighbor came and got us, brought us home, we were all just kind of hanging out. And I was hanging out on my balcony. And it swayed out within two seconds. All I know is I was leaning on it. And the next thing I know, I was, I woke up in the hospital. I, I had no recollection of what happened. Um, I thought I had gotten in a car accident because the last thing I remember before that was me going home. And I guess the balcony had swayed out and I had lost my balance. And um, I fell to three stories. And I guess when I was when I leaned back, I was, I caught myself. So I was dangling for a little bit. And my neighbor that came and got us actually came out and watched me completely flip over and lose balance and then land. So I landed on my back and obviously I knew what was happening. So I tensed up, which um, my spinal doctor told me that's probably what caused my injury to be so severe because my body wasn't relaxed when I, you know, when I, when I hit impact or whatever you call it. And I had severed my spinal cord and my spine at the T4, T5 area. So it's like mid chest completely through. It was just like, I mean, a clean cut, a little messy, but just like a clean cut. So that obviously um, ended up with a spinal cord injury. So it paralyzed me from here down. Um, I broke most of my ribs. I broke my shoulder. I ended up having a lot of like uh, collapsed lungs, like organ failure because my body was going through so much trauma. So they put me in a medical induced coma. After three days, my stubborn ass stopped. was. <laughs> yeah, I fought it. So they took me out of it. They're like, she's doing more damage being in a coma than you know us getting her out and just putting her on bed rest and just pumping her with anything we can pump her in, so she doesn't feel all of the pain and doesn't move around too much and you know make things worse for herself. So. I think it was my best friend at the time, she called all of my family, obviously, they all came to the hospital. My mom's in the medical field, so she knew right off the bat, you know, the seriousness of it and try to fight, you know, the doctor on how to fix me or make me better. But her main focus was like, just give her, just fix her, not fix her, but just make it to where she still is able to have a life, you know? Um, my doctor thought that when I was gonna, or my surgeon thought that I was gonna wake up and be a quadriplegic because of how high my injury was and with how much damage I did to myself. But I did wake up, um, after a couple of weeks. I couldn't feel from the neck down when I first woke up. So I had no idea I was paralyzed. Nobody had the heart to tell me I was paralyzed. Um, it took them a while to finally like pretty much break it to me. You know what I mean? And it was my brother that, that was the one that told me because me and my brother are super, super close. And I think when they told me, I was just kind of like, okay. And they're all just like, um, girl, did you just hear us correctly? Like, th- this is, it's severe. And I'm like, all right, so what's the next step? You know, like, what what can I do to make myself better? Because I don't think in my mind, I was just like, nah, I'm not going to be in a wheelchair. I'm going to beat this. Like, not even thinking like, it's a spinal cord injury, you're paralyzed. I was just like, oh, psh. doctors are always wrong. You know what I mean? Like, they're not always right. Like. I can be the one that beats it or whatever it may be. So for the longest time, I thought I guess I didn't grieve on me becoming paralyzed. I kind of was just like let's let's do let's see what I can do to make myself better or to get over this, overcome it and you know beat a spinal cord injury and not just be a survivor but you know get back to walking and all of that. And man, did reality hit when I got home. I was just like okay well this is my life you know like I would get angry at times um there was you know the nights that I would cry the nights that I would just be so mad at myself or mad at you know trusting myself to lean on a balcony knowing it was faulty cuz I had complained that it was faulty to my apartment complex before oh wow and uh yeah then the next few months I Fought everything to get off all the meds that they had me on because they were making me a zombie. I was hallucinating. I mean, like, I would, people would come over and talk to me and I would fall asleep mid conversations. I wasn't the person that I am, I was completely different. So I told myself, like, I set a goal within six to eight months. I want to be off of everything and I want to just move on from this and just live my life, whether it's in a wheelchair or not. I told myself, you just got to accept it, you know? Dwelling on it isn't going to change my situation. So that's what I did. Sorry, did anything come from that,
0: like you reporting that the railing was faulty and then you having this accident? Like, was anyone held accountable for not fixing the faulty rail?
1: So I wasn't going to sue them until they came back to me. I think it was about almost, two. it was close to a two-year mark Um, they said that I owed them for the whole year's lease because they wouldn't accommodate me to a ground floor apartment because my apartment was all like stainless steel appliances. And, you know, like the, the ground floor was just like the typical $800, like white cabinets, you know, not an upgraded apartment in their eyes. So I found out that they were suing me. So I had literally like just a couple of days to file a lawsuit maybe two or three days before the statute of limitations was up. And they filed the lawsuit and then they came back with the negligence law in Ohio that because I had complained, I trusted myself at my home on my balcony and it was negligence on my part. Wow. So all they did was just cover my medical bills and then covered the lawyers and then sent me on my way. Wow. I just think that's
0: so crazy. like. So unfortunate, like I I, I can't even wrap my mind around how a company or complex or a person can make that decision and just think that's the right decision, like a fair decision.
1: Yeah, and... And after me, four more balconies actually caved in and like spread apart at the corner that they met that they were nailed in. So they think that it was just like water damage or just not up to conduct because we had somebody go and look to see if it was up to conduct for the date or whatever, for like mm-hmm. whatever regulations it needed. And it wasn't. But all of a sudden, there's a law that exists. It's called the negligence law. And obviously, I didn't know about it, you know? Yeah. and. So they hit me in my face with that one. So I didn't even go to court and try to fight it because you go in front of a jury at that point And, you know, if you lose, you lose. So I was like, just pay my medical bills, help me with that. And yeah. I'll go on my way, you know? And I also, a COVID hit when I was dealing with all of it too, like the lawsuit and stuff. And I just wanted it to be over with. It was just dragging out and dragging out. So every time that I went to see my lawyers, I had to relive that day. Yeah. So I was just so fed up with it. I was like, just, I'm calling it quits. Just take what they're giving us. I'm out. Like, I'm done. I want to move on from this. I don't want to have to keep having to drag it out and, and deal with it over and over and over again when i think there's
0: a really valuable lesson there too in perspective it's like understanding where you are mentally and your mental health and saying do you, can i mentally do everything i need to do to go through with this or am i willing to say x y and z will be satisfying enough for me versus Retriggering and resurfacing and reliving all of these painful moments. And I think having that perspective and just capability to look and make that decision for yourself. I mean, that's a really hard process and you got through it, right? Like most people just could, w- would just try to ignore all of it or be like, I can't even deal with this. Like, I don't even want to try to face someone that you know, caused this or their negligence caused this, right? Yeah.
1: It was also heartbreaking because like, they just made me out to be such a bad guy. You know, they're like, Oh, well, why did you trust yourself? You knew you should have known better. You're, you know, 23 years old. And it's like, okay, what if my friend's kid was on that balcony or a friend or an elderly person? Like, what would you have said then? Like, yeah, it you sounds know? like
0: they were just gaslighted you into making you believe it was your fault, and then just like completely just turned around on you, which is yeah which is awful.
1: Which I mean, at twenty three, you're gonna you're you're gonna party and you know li- enjoy your life and enjoy everything you you know be you know become successful in. And obviously, there was alcohol in my system. I had been drinking earlier on at the at the pool party, but. At the end of the day, like I should be able to feel safe at my house. You know, I was responsible and I went home.
0: Especially if there's other issues, it's not like it was just you. There's four other cases that this happened to. Like, yep. It just goes to show. I'm glad that it's over and that you've moved past it. I could only imagine how difficult that was to resurface. So, in terms of perspective, like, I I can't even begin to imagine like it makes me tear up even thinking about putting myself in a situation or thinking about being in your situation where it's like your life completely changes within a second like how do you how did you come home? Like what steps? I know you said that it's like you didn't give yourself proper time to grieve until you really let it sink in when you returned home. How long was it until you were in the hospital and then you went back home?
1: Uh, It was two months. And I also feel like I didn't allow myself to grieve because I was in a relationship at the time. So I wanted to push to make myself seem like I was still good enough for him. Not like, I think my biggest fear was him leaving me, you know, and it's like, I had already lost my independence of walking, I had to give my dogs up because I wasn't going to be able to care for two, you know, very large breeds, you know, I I wasn't going to be able to drive for, for a little bit until with hand controls, and I'm still terrified to drive, I have hand controls, and I have my car, but I'm still not, you know, like ready for that, or whatever it may be, but I feel like, I feel like if he would have left, because he left me the day I got home from the hospital, he dipped out. He said, bye. Wow. There was no closure with that. There was nothing. So I feel like I buried what I felt to seem strong for him and for my family. Because obviously I didn't want my family to be like, oh no, you know, she's not going to be able to enjoy life or, you know, be the spunky person that she is. And, this and that, you know, this is going to suck for her. I mean, which it did suck. Don't get me wrong. But I buried all of that to, you know, not have them be as sad as I was, if that makes sense. So when I got home, and he left, and then obviously, like I had to move back in with my parents. That's when I was like, Dang, girl, like you got to get your crap together. Like, you need to go back to who you were, regardless of your situation. You can't dwell on it. It's not going to change. Like, my brother told me, he was like, if you wake up in the morning and you don't fight to have a good day, he was like, what is that going to change? It's not going to make you walk again. It's not going to take you back to that day. It's not going to do this and that. And I'm like, huh, I guess you're right. (laughs)
0: I mean, it's, it's great advice. And I think that goes back to, I mean, there's, it's not like he's asking you to be, um, have that toxic positivity. It's like, yeah, it's important to grieve. It's important to, when you feel sad, be sad. And when you're angry, allow yourself to be angry. But also like you do have that capability of making the choice every single day of what do you want to do more of? Do you want to be sad? 99% 99% of the day? Or do you allow yourself to be sad or have those sad days, but then also choosing the ladder of, you know, I'm going to fight. I'm going to get back to a normalcy that is, that fits my current situation. Yeah. And I'm going to make choices that lead me to being happy versus just wallowing in the sadness.
1: And that's what I, that's what I would tell myself every day, especially when I stopped taking all the prescriptions they had me on. I feel like I wasn't, my mind wasn't as blurred and I, it almost felt good to feel the pain of my injury because I I was so numb for so long, you know? And and then like when I would feel pain, I'm like, oh, like my body's kind of going back to normal. You know, I'll be able to know this and know that when something's wrong and. The brain is a powerful thing. You know, my body's obviously adjusted to telling me when something's wrong in a different way than it does for those that don't have a spinal cord injury. So I started looking, looking at it this way, like your day may be bad or, you know, you may have a bad day or a bad week. One of your good days can be somebody's worst day, you know? So that's the way I started looking at it. Like I still have a life. I still have hands. Um, you know, my hands, I still have the use of my hands. I'm still able to drive. I'm still able to go out on my own. I'm pretty independent. Uh, I, I pushed myself to be independent. When my family would try to help me, I'd be like, no, let me try. And I try and I fail and I try and I failed and I tried and I failed. But after a while, I learned so many different ways every single day to do something differently and make it easier on myself. And that's what they started seeing. They're like, holy crap, like, We, you know, we would try to teach you this way or help you this way, but you found a way to do it yourself and make it easier for you. So it definitely put in a a perspective of now I live every single day as if it's like my last, like literally I wake up in the morning, I try to, you know, get everything done. I try to travel as much as I can. I see my family as often as I can. I, you know, take my mom out, spend time with my parents, like spend time with my friends, um, all of that stuff. And I tell my, you know, my, my oldest nephew is 17 and I'm like, you are going, getting to that age where you're about to go to college. Like, just think back when you think of anything, yo, my auntie's in a wheelchair, you know, like anything can happen. Be safe always. And don't ever second don't under don't ever underestimate any situation because you never know what may happen.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's really inspiring. So in terms of like working, because I, I I know it sounds like you're you can you can drive and you're quite independent and it sounds like you had to work very hard to get there. Um, I know when you were twenty three before the accident, you were working. Clearly you were living on your own, you could Afford a nice apartment, etc. Like, how did you decide to get into what you're into right now?
1: So I was working from home. Actually, uh, another spinal cord injury survivor, she referred me to us. You know, working from home job. It was like customer service, um, answering emails, working on social media, and then COVID hit, and the hours went from working, you know, pretty much full time to barely part time, and. I mean, it it got to the point where nobody was going out, you know, whatever. And I got on Facebook one day and I got in a group that's a really, you know, inspirational, like positive, it's like a makeup and motivation group. And I just went on there and clicked the live button after a few glasses of wine one night. And... A few days later, I got companies that were like, "Oh my gosh, you know, like your energy is awesome, like your personality is great. Have you ever thought about starting a page?" And I'm like, "Oh no, like I could never do that." And then it took about a month for people to convince me like, "Dude, just try it. If you don't like it or if you don't do well with it, it's not like you're you're going to have anything to regret." And I started a page and here I am now. It's my full time job. I have the freedom to travel. I've had the freedom to do collaborations with companies. I've met so many people that have been in situations where they were at the lowest of the lowest and have come up, you know, and started either their own company or started doing social media. Um, obviously, me being, you know, and I'm not in a small town, but it's not. Too big. I'm on the outskirts of Cincinnati. So everybody knows me. I I bartended for the longest time before my injury. I was promoting. I was working at restaurants. I was babysitting. So, like, word of mouth spread that I started a page. Then people started following me that were local. And now, like, whenever somebody gets a spinal cord injury, they reach out to me immediately. They're like, hey, like, we have somebody that suffered a spinal cord injury. Do you want to reach out to them? And I'm like, oh. I had that happen to me where a guy came into my hospital room and was like, "Hey, everything's going to be okay." And I just wanted to look at him and just brock him in his face. I was just like, "Who are you to come and tell me everything's going to be okay?" You know, like he was in like his 50s and he just got injured and I'm like, "You lived your life. I was 23. I didn't get to have a family and live, you know, until my 40s and 50s. Like, I got injured at a pretty young age. And obviously people do get injured a lot younger, but I went from living a fully independent life and, you know, seeing the future of, you know, having kids by the time I I wanted to have kids by the time I was 25, between 25 and 28. Like I got all that taken and stripped from me because I had to, you know, focus on me. And I was like, I don't, I don't ever want to be that person that reaches out to someone and, and tries to push them. But people do see me on social media. All of my platforms are public. I don't make anything private. And they started reaching out to me. I've met a lot of spinal cord injury survivors that are my age. And I either travel and I meet them or they're local. Or we like text and, you know, call every day or FaceTime every day. And I mean, every every month, it's like, I grow and I push myself to grow bigger. And I motivate myself like, hey, you know, like even though you're not where you want to be at, you know, somebody out there could be watching. And I mean, people tell me all the time and people reach out to me all the time. They're like, I don't even have a spinal cord injury. And you literally pushed me to not complain or you inspired me to quit my job or start this or do that, you know, do something better for myself or put myself first before, you know, a relationship or a family member or any toxicity. And I'm like... Dang. And all I do is just go live and live my life, you know? Well,
0: funny enough, that's how I found you, right? I think I found you through your TikTok account. I am not very good at makeup. And so I always love following people who are. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this woman is so talented. And then I realized that you had this other story, like another component to you that was really inspiring to me. And I was like, I have to share this story.
1: (laughs) The thing is, is a lot of people that don't follow me don't know I'm in a wheelchair until I like roll away from the camera or I like scream at my chair like, why aren't you freaking working? Or I'll like (laughs) yell at my leg for like spazzing or I'll like, I'll do something crazy and people are like, wait, what? And I'm like, what? And they're like, what did you just say? Like you're in a wheelchair? No, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. And then I'll like roll away and I'm like, here you go. (laughs) Yeah, it's it it your
0: account is fun to watch for sure. So uh thank you for sharing your your life and all of your tips. I don't think I'll ever get to the status that you are, but you know, you've helped you've helped me with a little bit of here and there. (laughs) Practice makes perfect. That's what I tell everyone. So what like what were the two or three hardest things with your accident? Like what were the 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 hardest things that you had to overcome?
1: Probably loss of bladder and bowels. That's the probably the most frustrating thing when it comes to this injury. If I could use, if I could use the bathroom on my own on my time, and not walk again, oh, give it to me. <laughs> you know, like people ask me all the time. They're like, "Do you want, like what would you do if you could walk again tomorrow?" I'm like, honestly, it's not even the walking part that. You know, I miss it's. It's just like the smallest things. Being able to get up in the morning and just shoot out of bed and be out the door. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you never know with a spinal cord injury. You think you're having a good day, and then bam, something happens. You know, Um, that was probably one of the toughest parts. And then the second toughest part is, you know, self love and image because you. It's so. It's absolutely frustrating to shop now for clothes or anything because. Most of the like most of anything you see that's online or anywhere is people wearing that outfit standing up. And when you put that outfit on and you're sitting down, you're like, that does not look the same. So self love and self image was probably I think that that's the one that that I had to work on the most was to love myself. And with the atrophy, I I, because I was on a liquid diet in the hospital. So I wasn't allowed to eat. So I lost weight fast. And I was already tiny when my accident happened. So there was no gaining back from the atrophy or anything like that. So I had to start to love my little chicken legs. And i started wearing sweatpants and hoodies. And then I went from sweatpants to leggings. And then I went from leggings to jeans that were like white jeans, not skinny jeans. And then finally, I started gaining the weight back a little bit. And then I went from all of that to just wearing my regular outfits. And before I knew it, I was just dressing like I used to with no questions asked there are some days when I put something on I'm like oh no (laughs) but everybody has that you know Mm -hmm. everybody puts something on and they're like "Mm, not today or you have an image of an outfit and then you're like that's gonna look killer and then you put it on you're like uh no (laughs) we're gonna (laughs) change our mind Um, And then another thing is um, I get a lot of pain constantly. So I have to deal with it. especially living somewhere where it's cold with a spinal cord injury. Um, When once the cold weather starts setting in, the aggravation of the pain kicks in, people are always like, oh, well, why don't you medicate yourself? And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I would much rather push through it because I know it'll only be a little, like a couple of months of suffering with that pain. And then it'll be, you know, back to kind of like, durable pain for like the summertime. So yeah, those were probably the toughest things was self-love, um, losing control of my bladder and bowels and the pain. I mean, there's pain every single day that I that I live with, but I don't let it stop me. There are days where I get super frustrated or angry, but it doesn't mean that I won't carry on for the day. It'll be a little bit tougher, but I push through it. And
0: in terms of that self-love, because I think Every
1: single person listening
0: can relate to that at some point in their lives. What were the things that you did aside from physically slowly making those transitional parts of your clothing? What were some of the things that you did, whether it was therapy or affirmations or what have you, to like get regain that self love and self respect?
1: Um, For the most part, I would go through my old photos before my injury. And then I would go, I would take a photo of me in an outfit and then I'd wait like a month and I'd put that outfit on and I'd compare. I wouldn't compare negatively. I'd compare positively. So I'd be like, look, you're filling out, you know, you're filling in. This shirt looked like this on you and now it looks great on you, you know? So that would push me. That would push me to almost get out of my comfort zone every month or every other month where I would, or I would buy an outfit and literally kick my butt every day to be like nope you're going to put it on if you don't put it on this week try again next week um and then i'd wake up every morning and i'd either listen to you know motivational um podcasts or i'd go and look at my spinal cord injury survivor friends and i'd be like dang like look at this she's having a crappy day but she looks hot and that's what you need to do you know
0: yeah so it's just reiterating like even though you're in a different, like you are different, really like physically looking and everything, there's a lot of similarities and it's not, the, the, the change isn't so drastic in terms of the looks because I can only imagine how hard that would be to say like, there's a huge difference. I'm a totally different person. Like I'm not the same person anymore, but just finding the connection points to say, really there's more similarities than differences and it's not that different anymore.
1: And that's what I had to do. I had to, I guess the the thing that motivated me the most to push to love myself even more was to know that when I went out or when we'd be out somewhere, whether it's vacation or a restaurant or a bar or, you know, an activity or anything like that, I still got approached by guys. And my friends would be like, my friends would, you know, jokingly say like, you still get hit on more than we do. And you're in a wheelchair. And I'm like, damn, that's a little cold, but I guess you're right. You know, because like, at the end of the day if you love yourself and you give out that energy that you love yourself and you know you're you know you have confidence you know or you walk into a room or roll into a room whatever it may be and like you let your presence know like no one's going to look at any any kind of disability or imperfection you have they're just going to be like damn like her her aura and her vibe is amazing like I want to approach and, and get to know her and talk to this person. I mean, I get approached all the time. People are like, dang girl, like you came in here, like you owned the place. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> like yeah, if so- only you knew how long it took me to get here.
0: <laughs> hey, it, it's sometimes, it's not easy. It's not always yeah. easy, but I think there's a lot of truth to that of you, you get back what you give out. So if you're giving out that energy, you're giving out that confidence, not only do you start to believe it, right? Because it's like that you manifest it, but also you experience what you believe. And so I think that's why affirmations really work for a lot of people is if you keep telling yourself you're these things, then you do start to believe them and then you start to become
1: it. And then before you know it, it's just a normal thing for you. Yeah. (laughs) No questions asked. You're just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So what's like next for you? What's next for me? Hmm. Well, right <laughs> now, hmm. um, I've made a lot of lists for this year to come. I have a lot of goals. Uh, before COVID happened, I was, you know, working to become a motivational speaker and go to colleges. I do go to the local colleges by me and I go and speak with like physical therapists and occupational therapists to give them kind of hands on Action with a spinal cord injury, and obviously there's other disability like um, advocates and all that stuff that do come there. For this year, I'm hoping with everything you know settling down with what has been going on the last two years, I want to be able to start traveling again and meet other spinal cord injury survivors, and you know go somewhere and you know whether it's motivational speaking for spinal cord injury survivors or anyone that has anyone that suffered a spinal cord injury go to meetings. Because the rehab center that I went to, they just kind of like threw me out there with no, you know, connections. They didn't give me any resources, nothing. Like they're just kind of like, okay, uh, here's your certificate for completing your physical therapy rehab. Good, good day. And I'm like, uh, okay, (laughs) where do I go from here? You know? So everything I kind of learned was through social media and, and speaking with other spinal cord injury survivors, half the things I have and half the resources I have immediately when somebody gets injured, I tell them and they're like, why didn't my doctor tell me this or the rehab facility? And I'm like, cause they don't really know. I mean, they're just there to try to make you better. And then.
0: Right. They've done, they feel like they've done their job. Like, okay, you're off. Which is really interesting because when you think of not saying that spinal cord injury and addiction is anything to compare, but when you think about someone who's leaving like a rehab center, they go to halfway house, then they go to an intensive outpatient day program, and then they have these meetings and they have groups and supports and they're everywhere. And I can't, I just can't imagine that like you honestly went through this trauma you went through this rehab and then they're just like okay bye like good luck
1: yeah they're like come back for therapy you know twice a week and and I'm and I'm like okay yeah and that's physical therapy (laughs) yeah right so it's like
0: where's the mental part of it where's the support that you need mentally which is probably you probably need that way more than physical
1: yeah I mean for the most part they, they, you know, they diagnosed me with PTSD, but they just would refer me to a doctor to give me a script and give me meds yeah. to, you know, help with that. And I'm like, I would much rather have someone I can talk to that I can relate with or closely relate with and, you know, have them help me not drug me or anything like that you know because like a lot of spinal cord injuries they do fall into addiction because of all the stuff that they're on you know because their mental health you know plummets and their emotional health like they they start losing grip of everything not only you know their independence and their old life that they had that they lose grip of what's new to come because they don't know where to start most of the time they're kind of just sitting there like okay I can't walk now what you know? Yeah. So I'm hoping that, you know, I can get maybe two or three girls that are able to travel like I am, whether they have a spinal cord injury or other disabilities. I've met, you know, powerful girls that are amputees or were born without limbs or, um, have a disability like MS or SMA or anything like that. And I'm like, Dang, like you're you guys are out here living your life. Like you need to show people that, you know, and they do, but social media can only get so far. Some people, you know, even though they see it on social media, they may just scroll past it, not even give it a second thought to click that person's profile or click that person's video. But maybe, you know, for this year to come, um, there is obviously a lot of. Progr- like, not programs, but support groups on social media. And they do meet if they're local and, and whatever it may be. Um, I'm hoping that I can get back to motivational speaking. And if not, then I just continue living my best life on my page and hope that I hit someone's page that, you know, needs the help and I can provide it for them. I like that. That's great. Um,
0: okay. If you were to give the list, our listeners one piece of advice, one thing to take away from today's episode, what would it be?
1: Don't hesitate. Do it. No matter what, don't hesitate. Do it. Because I mean, every day there's what ifs and regrets in life, whether it's a, a small mistake you made or a small accomplishment or a big accomplishment or a big mistake. Don't hesitate on putting yourself first. Just do it every single day you wake up in the morning. Put yourself first, whether it's while you're brushing your teeth, put it in your head. I'm going to have a good day. And guess what? If that day gets crappy, you tried, you motivated yourself to, you know, like you can wake up the next day and try again. Every day is a different day. Like my mom always says, she's like, some people have a day where it's just same day, but, but she, what did she always say? different day, same soup or something like that. Cause some people will just reheat the same soup yeah. every single day or not change one thing about, you know, their schedule or somebody will reach out to see someone or hang out with someone and nobody wants to break their everyday cycle or their, you know, once you get comfortable, you get comfortable and it's hard to break that cycle. But if you can, I suggest that you do it because I broke my cycle and I'm the happiest I have been in the last two years since I started my page. I've met so many wonderful people. I've inspired so many wonderful people. I mean, I have kids that follow me that are as young as four or five years old that send me, you know, pictures that they've drawn me, you know, or little voice messages on their parents' phone, like this and that. And not all of my videos are kid appropriate because I do cuss and I have a sailor's mouth. (laughs) But, you know, like it's nice to know that. I'm out, I'm out here just enjoying my life and somehow, some way I'm making somebody's day better or helping them through, you know, a loss or a crappy week or a crappy day or, you know, anything like it, it warms my heart. It really does. So that pushes me more than anything to click that like button or make a post or heck, I get on even when I have a crappy day and people are like, what's wrong? And I'm like, how do you even know? How do you even know I'm having a crappy day? Cause like even though they've never met me they know me you know and I've done meet and greets where people approach me and they're like hi and I'm like I have no idea who you are I don't know anything about you (laughs) but you know so much about me let me try here so yeah get up and do it you never know where it may take you it may take you to you know a a good place or it may take you to a temporarily bad place but at the end of the day you know you tried and you put yourself first I love that thank you and where can people find you um, on Facebook, Life with Anya. That is my most active platform. Okay. Well, what's your Instagram and TikTok? Share those too. Oh, it's basic and the number one, Anya. And it's funny because my discount code with like companies is basic polka. So when like this podcast, I was like, huh, oh, basic. Here I am. <laughs> Well, on
0: that note, you are one badass basic bitch. Although I would not say you're basic at all. Anya, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story and your perspective of life. It has been a pleasure.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. As always, thank you for listening. Check us out on Instagram at badassbasicbitch. And thank you to Saw and Sign, our production studio. We'll see you next week.